Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Some kids wish for the latest consoles. Some kids want expensive shoes. I've only ever really wished for one thing. Every night, I climb up to the roof and wait for a shooting star. I make a wish that I could have a family. Hi, I'm Pete, and I'm an orphan. I know my wish is an impossible one, because not even a genie could bring my parents back, so I doubt Santa can. Life as an orphan was tough. I lived with my aunt for as long as I can remember, and she only took me in because she was my only family. She doesn't particularly like me. All she ever does is make me do the household chores and serve her boyfriend as if I was the butler. I got made fun of at school. Nobody wanted to hang out and make friends with me. Kids teased me for being an orphan. There was a group of three boys who particularly relished in pushing me around. Hey, look! It's Orphan Boy! What you got for lunch, Orphan Boy? <laughs> Probably nothing. He's got no mom to cook for him. <laughs> nice one, Max. He's so weird. Even his parents couldn't stand being around too long. <laughs> Those boys would torment me daily. I never felt safe. I never had peace. Most of the time, they just yell insults at me. But sometimes, when they're really bored, they drag me outside and throw balls at me until they got tired. Sometimes, they gather the other kids and they'd make me fight as if we were in a boxing ring. I never want to. But somehow, they can just push the right buttons, and I would eventually throw a punch. As soon as I do... I was in trouble, because even our teachers had it out for me. I had never started a fight, and yet every time a teacher found out what we'd been up to, I'd be the one to take the blame. He's a problem child. Must be because he has no parents. He's always causing trouble. Honestly, orphans should have school just for them. 
makes the other children uncomfortable being around kids like that. He'll no doubt become a criminal when he grows up. I decided I was done with trying to reason with my tormentors. I decided to fight back. But I fought back with kindness. When they insulted me, I'd say, Have a nice day. When they dragged me outside to hit me, I would smile at them and say, Thank you! And when they got me into trouble, and I had to go into detention, I would tell them that I look forward to seeing them again tomorrow. At first, it made things worse. They kept trying and trying to break me. But as time went on, I broke them. Fight back! Fight back, you stupid orphan! Meh. I'm bored now. He's no fun anymore. <sighs> me too. He's lame. It was during one of those times when the guys tried to get a rise out of me, and I refused that I met Holly. Can't you just leave him alone? All you guys do is pick on people who don't fight back. Why don't you try someone who will? Holly faced the guys off, her fists held high and ready to fight. But Max, Dalton, and Fred didn't plan on fighting a girl. Because if they did, they'd be in a world of trouble. Holly was always by my side from that point on. She rescued me. She even got in a shouting match with a teacher that was picking on me. That got her suspended. I thought I'd be with her forever. I was certain that I'd propose to her on graduation day. But before we could even celebrate our first anniversary, I had to leave. I was adopted. <sighs> More like bought. Some mysterious family offered to take me off of Aunt Cassie's hands, and she agreed. She only told me the day that the guy was going to pick me up. I never got to say goodbye to Holly. My new parents were an older couple. They'd tried for many, many years to have a baby, but they were never blessed. They grew old, and they thought they'd never try again. It was only pure luck that the wife overheard my aunt complaining about having to raise someone else's kid. My new life is nothing like the old one. In that house, I was loved. I felt it. I was loved very much. They gave me everything I could ever need. I was given freedom to spend as much or as little as I wanted. I got my own humongous room. And they gifted me an entire room full of toys. Mom's name is Tara, and Dad's called Andre. We all live in a mansion. I started going to a really fancy boarding school. They got me a really pretty tutor to help me catch up with my grades, too. Unfortunately, the tutor was so distracting with her beauty that my grades barely improved. I got to make new friends who didn't judge me for being adopted. We would have parties and camping trips. It was on one of those trips that my world turned upside down once more. As my boys and I were driving down the boulevard of a popular beach town, I saw her, her hair as familiar as it was many years ago. Uh, Holly! She looked back, and for a second, she didn't recognize me. And then, she came running towards me, leaping into the air. I caught her and she embraced me tight, kissed. I, I can't believe it. it. It's really you!
laughed. <laughs> yeah! And... It's really you! It was a glorious two and a half weeks. I was living an amazing life. And now, the only piece missing, my girlfriend, was back. C couldn't have asked for more. But all things come to an end. And, and eventually, I was going to find out the truth anyway. Because as much as Holly would make it seem like we totally just bumped into each other, she actually followed my movement for months. She had someone spy on me so she'd know exactly where I was. Exactly two weeks and three days from reconnecting with her, things began to take a turn. One morning, I woke up to Holly screaming. She, she was on the phone. Help! Help! Please! It's on my bed! Please, hurry! Send as many people as you can! I blinked my eyes open and looked at her curiously. What's happening, babe? Are you okay? Why are you screaming? Holly put the phone down and looked at me with annoyance in her face. You are so dumb. You better go run before the cops catch you here. And only a few minutes later, the door to my apartment burst open. Freeze! Police! Didn't know why, but I froze involuntarily. But as soon as I did, the policewoman's gaze fell on me. Ma'am, get behind me. Are you alright? Are you safe? Help me, officer! Wait, why are you alone? Don't you have backup? Miss, just behind me and I'll make sure this guy gets out of your apartment. D your apartment? Cops reached for her handcuffs. Sir, you would please calmly come with me down to the station. But what? Why? I reached for my phone. But the officer thought I was pulling a weapon out, and so she tackled me to the ground. We rolled around for a bit. I was extremely confused why that was happening, but then she won. And I was carted off to the station without knowing what I did wrong. She must have put me out like a light. When I woke up, I was already in a cell, and the cop who took me into custody was looking down on me. There was a light shining down, and she looked like an angel with a halo. Am I in the afterlife? Cop laughed. You're in the Will County's PD's jail cells. So it's a little worse than that. She was funny. And as I looked up again, I noticed how beautiful she was. Anyway, as soon as I got there, I realized one thing. Holly had told the authorities that I was a stalker of hers. And that my apartment was hers. She told them I had been following her for days, and that just last night I sneaked into her apartment. I didn't know yet why she did that, but I had my suspicions. I explained my side to Trish, and somehow she heard me out. It'll be really easy to find out who's telling the truth. Just please look up the title deed at the registrar's office. See who really owns that apartment. And Trish did. When she came back, she had no words. She just looked down and let me go. I'm really, really sorry. Let me at least escort you home. I let her. Of course I did. I would have given anything just to spend a bit more time with her. When we got to my apartment, I was less than surprised that there was nothing left there. Holly stripped it bare. It turned out, 
Holly just wanted me out of there so she could get away with stealing everything in my house. She must have heard somewhere that I was loaded now, and she wanted a piece of it. What a stupid girl, I remember thinking. If she stayed with me, she could have taken me for my money's worth over the years. Instead, she resorted to straight-up simple theft. Well, that was good for me, because at least now I know that I will never let Holly sink her teeth into me ever again. Trish apologized again, but this time, she had an idea. I feel really guilty for locking you up. I can only apologize to you by putting this right. I promise I will hunt her down, and I will return everything she took from you. Holly was not at all hard to track down. She was trying to sell my stuff on Facenook Marketplace, with her actual account. So, we burst into the doors of a trailer that she had parked outside a shopping center. And there, strewn across the floor, were all the valuables she stole from me. Luckily, she hadn't yet convinced anyone to buy any of them. Why'd you steal from me, Holly? Holly was mad. Because you left me all alone! Here you are living this fancy life, while for years I didn't know what happened to you. You owe me at least this much money for the suffering I went through. That was when I took out a small camera I was wearing. Gotcha! What? Actually, we had no warrant to search your trailer. But now that you've confessed to stealing all this on camera, Trish here can arrest you now. Trish cuffed Holly. She smiled at me. Now, I've returned everything she stole from you. I smiled back. Not all of it. What about my heart? It was a really cheesy line, but it worked. Because while she was cuffing Holly, Trish leaned into me and kissed me. How about now? Holly writhed in disgust. Or envy. Or probably both. Because the very same cop she used to frame me so she could steal from me was now the very same cop who was crushing on me. Hey, my name is Tom, and I've always struggled with my weight. I've been overweight for as long as I can remember. Tired of feeling down about myself, I decided to join a gym to improve my health and fitness. As I walked in, I was immediately intimidated by all the fit and muscular people working out around me but I was determined to make a change. The gym coach, Jake, was the epitome of the popular guy. Athletic, cocky, and always surrounded by his equally fit friends. To make matters worse, he had a stunning athletic girlfriend named Amy. I couldn't help but feel embarrassed by my body and lack of fitness compared to everyone else, especially Amy. As I started working out, I found it really difficult to keep up with the routines, and Jake's continuous mockery only made me feel worse. One day, as I struggled to finish a set of push-ups, Jake sauntered over with a smirk on his face. Hey, Tom, you know it's uh, not a competition to see who can do the fewest push-ups in a minute, he sneered, clearly enjoying my discomfort. Trying to brush off his comments, I replied, Well, at least I'm trying, Jake. Rome wasn't built in a day, you know? Jake laughed, unimpressed by my comeback. True, but at this rate, you'll be ripped and ready for the cover of Nerdy Fitness Weekly in a lifetime. During a group workout session, Jake decided to pair people up for partner exercises. To my dismay, he paired me with his girlfriend, Amy. As we started the routine, I could feel Jake's eyes on us, ready to pounce on any opportunity to humiliate me. 
When we moved on to partner squats, Jake can resist by making another dig. Wow, Tom, you're really struggling there. Maybe you should just try squatting with a book instead of Amy. You know, something more your speed. Despite the embarrassment, I refuse to let Jake's taunts get the better of me. Very funny, Jake. I'm just getting warmed up. As the days went by, the humiliation only intensified. During a cardio session, Jake sneered. Maybe you should lose some weight first before attempting this, Tom. Don't pass out this time like you did last week. I gritted my teeth and responded. Thanks for the concern, but I've got this, Jake. In another instance, while I was struggling to use the weight machines, Jake mockingly suggested, Hey, Tom, don't break the equipment with all that weight you're carrying. We wouldn't want to have to replace it. I rolled my eyes and retorted, Don't worry, Jake. I think your ego is a greater threat to this place than I am. One day, as I stumbled during a workout, Jake jeered. Did you just roll off the couch, Tom? You really shouldn't be here among us athletes. This gym is no place for druggies and dropouts. Frustrated by his relentless bullying, I snapped back. You know what, Jake? I may not be as fit as you, but at least I'm working on it. Could you say the same about your personality? Little did I know that my life was about to take a surprising turn, and Jake's attempt to mock me would backfire in a way he never expected. Despite Jake's continuous mockery, I started noticing that Amy didn't share her boyfriend's mean-spirited attitude. In fact, she was nothing like the popular stereotype I had expected her to be. She was kind, supportive, and even encouraging as we worked out together. Come on, Tom. You can do it. Just a few more reps, she'd say during our training sessions, her voice full of genuine encouragement. Under Amy's guidance and support, I began to make significant progress at the gym. My strength and endurance improved, and I started to excel in the exercises. Jake, however, only seemed to intensify his humiliating tactics. One day, as I struggled to lift a particularly heavy weight, Jake called out, Careful, Tom! Don't want you to get a hernia or something! The whole gym laughed as my face turned red with embarrassment. As Amy and I grew closer, Jake's jealousy and possessiveness started to show. He would hover around us during workouts, making snide remarks and trying to belittle me at every opportunity. He even went as far as accusing me of trying to steal his girlfriend. Things came to a head when Jake claimed to have caught Amy and me kissing on his 4K camera. He stormed into the gym one day, waving his phone around like a trophy, and confronted us in front of everybody. You two have been sneaking around behind my back, huh? Well, guess what? I've got proof. Amy, clearly fed up with Jake's behavior, took a deep breath and looked him in the eye. Jake, it's over between us. I can't be with someone who treats people the way you do. You're constantly putting Tom down. But he's shown me that there's more to life than just being fit and popular. The gym fell silent, everyone staring at the unfolding drama. I stepped forward, taking Amy's hand in mine. Jake, you've got to learn that it's not about how you look or what you can do physically. It's about how you treat people and what kind of person you are inside. Jake stood there, stunned, as Amy and I walked out of the gym together, hand in hand. In the days that followed, word spread about what had happened. People started to look up to me not only because of my newfound confidence and gym prowess, but also because I had shown them that being a good person matters more than popularity. In the following weeks, Amy and I continued to grow closer, our bonds stronger than ever, but Jake couldn't accept that things were over between him and Amy. He resorted to stalking us, making our lives miserable with his unwelcome presence. One evening, as Amy and I sat down for a romantic dinner at a local restaurant, Jake sauntered in uninvited. He pointed at me, sneering, Hey, Tom, couldn't you at least put on a decent shirt? 
You look like a homeless guy. Are you sure you can afford this place? During one of our weekend outings to the park, Jake appeared out of nowhere. A smug grin plastered on his face. He looked at my worn-out sneakers and said loudly, What's the matter, Tom? Did you have to fish those out of a dumpster? How pathetic! As Amy and I walked through the mall, Jake followed us from store to store, making snide remarks about my inability to afford the latest trends. Oh, look at Tom! Browsing the sales rack like he's hunting for treasure. Gotta pinch those pennies, huh? At a local coffee shop where Amy and I were enjoying a quiet afternoon, Jake burst in and started ridiculing me in front of everyone. Hey, Tom, I bet you're only here because they have free Wi-Fi. Can't afford internet at home, can you? That's just sad. One day, as Amy and I were headed to the movies, Jake intercepted us, feigning concern. Are you sure you want to go in there, Tom? Last I heard, they don't accept food stamps for movie tickets. Despite Jake's constant harassment, I remained patient, determined not to let him ruin my newfound happiness. One day, I decided it was time to reveal a secret I had kept hidden. I was actually a millionaire. My wealth had accumulated through smart investments and a successful business, but the stress of all of it led me to gain weight. Now, this should be interesting, I mused as I shared the news with Amy, who was ecstatic. Together, we decided it was time to use my wealth for a greater purpose and see how Jake would react. When Jake caught wind of the news, he was stunned. He approached me hesitantly, his voice dripping with disbelief. Is it true, Tom? Are you really rich? I grinned, my eyes twinkling with amusement. Yes, Jake, it's true. But my wealth doesn't define who I am. I've learned that true happiness comes from the relationships we build and the person we become. I announced that I would be starting a charity to combat bullying and create a safe space for those affected by it. As part of the initiative, I would be purchasing the gym where we all worked out and appointing Amy as the top trainer. Surprise, Jake! You never really know who you're mocking, do you? I teased, reveling in his shock. But don't worry, I have a proposition for you too. I extended an invitation to Jake, offering him a chance to participate in the charity and help out at the gym. But there was a catch. His role at the gym would be that of a janitor. It was an opportunity for him to learn humility and the value of hard work. As I reveled in the idea of Jake's newfound humility, another unexpected revelation came to light. It turned out that Jake had been hiding a secret of his own. He was the heir to a massive fortune, but he had been concealing it in order to live a normal life, away from the pressures of wealth and expectation. When his secret was revealed, the dynamic between Jake, Amy, and me shifted dramatically. No longer driven by jealousy and insecurity, Jake embraced his role as a janitor at the gym and became an active participant in the charity. It seemed that by revealing my own wealth, I had inadvertently allowed Jake to come to terms with his. We confronted Jake about his hidden fortune, and he was surprisingly candid about it. Yeah, it's true. I've been hiding my wealth to live a life where I'm not constantly judged by my bank account. But seeing you, Tom, being open about your riches and using them for good, it's made me realize that I can do the same. The gym community, witnessing our transformations, rallied around us. We all worked together to create a better, more inclusive environment, with Amy leading the way as head trainer. As we focused on combating bullying and promoting kindness and respect, we discovered that true success and happiness don't come from wealth or popularity, but again, from the relationships we build and the people we become. In the weeks that followed, the bonds between us all grew stronger. Jake, now humbled and dedicated to making a difference, became an essential part of our charitable endeavors, and I continued to use my resources for the greater good. 
It was a testament to the power of redemption and the importance of the relationships we form in our lives. Just when it seemed like everything was finally falling into place, another twist emerged. A mysterious benefactor had been supporting the gym all along. This anonymous individual had been responsible for keeping the gym afloat during tough times and was now ready to reveal their identity. To our astonishment, the mysterious benefactor was none other than Jake's long-lost father, who had been monitoring his son's actions from afar. I wanted to see if you could change, Jake, his father explained. I'm proud to see that you have. As Jake stood in belief, Amy chimed in. Looks like life has a way of teaching us all a lesson or two, huh, Jake? With newfound humility and a chance at redemption, Jake embraced his role at the gym and in the charity, proving that we all have the power to change for the better. Ava was an enigma wrapped in a conundrum. A brilliant mind, cleverly disguised by a facade of charming naivety. She had learned from an early age that her intellect often intimidated others, especially the opposite gender. So, she chose to hide it. Ava's days revolved around code-breaking, encrypted languages, and complex algorithms. Her work required her to think like a supercomputer, but outside her office, she was just a regular girl. This evening was no different. Ava found herself on a date with Dave at her favorite Italian restaurant. Dave was a handsome firefighter who had no clue about her secret genius. As Dave shared anecdotes of daring rescues and dangerous fires, Ava would gasp at the right moments, her eyes wide with astonishment. She was convincingly playing her part. Ava navigated her secret life with precision, never revealing too much, always maintaining an air of simplicity and naivety. Her facade was her sanctuary and her curse. One day, Ava's secret life was threatened. She received a complex encrypted message at work. It was a cybersecurity threat to her company, and only she could decipher it. She spent hours solving the code, oblivious to the time. By the time she finished, it was way past dinner and she had stood Dave up for a movie date. Ava quickly sent an apology to Dave, citing work issues for her absence. She felt guilty but was too embroiled in her work to think about it in detail. The next day, Dave confronted Ava, demanding an explanation for her erratic behavior. She made up a story about a hard day at work, hoping to pacify him. To Ava's surprise, Dave was not only pacified but also intrigued. He encouraged her to open up. This was the first time she had to consider revealing her secret. Ava hesitated. She had lived this lie for so long, it had become her identity. But a part of her craved to be seen, to be loved for who she truly was. That night, she decided to tell Dave the truth, shedding her false identity. She decided to reveal her intellect, hoping to find acceptance in Dave's eyes. When she told him, the initial shock on Dave's face unsettled her. She had expected disappointment, fear, or even anger. But what she saw was awe and admiration. Dave respected her more for her intellectual prowess. He was humbled by her modesty and charmed by her brilliance. Ava felt a new sense of liberation. In Dave, Ava found an ally, someone who accepted her for who she was. He didn't just love her despite her genius, he loved her because of it. Ava began to realize that her fear of revealing her true self had been holding her back. She wanted to live her life freely, not disguised under a false identity. Slowly, she started embracing her genius in front of others. 
she revealed her intellectual capacity to her friends, family, and eventually her co-workers. It was a difficult transition, but Ava was relentless. She was surprised by the support and acceptance she received. Her fears began to recede, replaced by newfound confidence. Ava was no longer living a lie. She felt liberated, true to herself. Her genius was no longer a secret, but something she was proud of. Dave stood by her side through this transition, his love unwavering. They grew closer, their bond strengthening with each revelation about Ava's genius. Ava's life evolved in ways she hadn't imagined, she was respected and adored for her strength of mind. Her intellect was now her most attractive feature. Ava went on to excel in her career, using her genius for the betterment of her company. She became an inspiration for other women, who admired her courage and talent. Ava's story became a testament to embracing one's uniqueness. She demonstrated that hiding one's true self only limits one's potential. Ava was no longer the hidden genius, she was simply a genius. Dave and Ava's relationship bloomed over time, they respected each other's strengths and supported each other's weaknesses. Their love story was one of acceptance and authenticity. Ava's journey taught her that playing dumb does not make someone more attractive. It's one's intellect, kindness, and authenticity that truly matter. She vowed never to hide her true self again. Ava's story is a reminder that pretending to be someone you're not will only lead to discontent. Embrace your unique qualities, no matter how different they may seem. Authenticity is the key to genuine happiness. So, there I was, at this swanky restaurant, all geared up for my blind date. You gonna have a great time, my friend had assured me. Just relax, Ethan. But as I waited at the table, my heart wasn't in it. I hadn't signed up for this circus of dating, but then again, it was high time I at least tried to have a normal life. Just as I was contemplating escaping through the kitchen, I heard a voice that sent chills down my spine. It was raspy, tinged with the faintest hint of something vaguely familiar, something that made my stomach twist. Ethan, I looked up and froze. There she was, Amelia, the woman I'd loved, the woman who killed me in another life, looking as radiant as the day I'd last seen her. Amelia, what are you doing here? I'm your date. Surprised? That's an understatement. I muttered, trying to keep my tone light, but I could feel my heart pounding in my chest. A blind date with Amelia. So, Ethan, tell me about yourself. Oh, there's not much to tell, really. Just your average guy making a living. And relationships. How do you feel about them? Depends on the relationship. For instance, how do you feel about dating someone while you're already in a relationship? I beg your pardon? I mean... Isn't Ashton your boyfriend? He is, but... He... But he doesn't pay attention to me. And that justifies cheating? No, it doesn't. But it's complicated. Isn't it always? I think it's better if we end this here, Amelia. Wait, Ethan, I... No, Amelia, you should go back to Ashton. Or maybe find someone else. Someone who actually deserves you. With that, I walked out of the restaurant, leaving her behind. And as I walked, my heart pounded with a new resolution. I would take down Ashton. Not just for me, but for Amelia as well. Ethan, Claire's 
voice resonated with an unforeseen gravitas as I picked up the phone. Mom, what's up? We need to talk about your position in the Sullivan Empire. You know I'm just an investor, right? Ashton is the one gearing up to take over. I'm aware, but I've been keeping tabs on you, Ethan. I see potential, resilience, qualities that this empire needs. What do you mean? Ethan, I've decided to transfer a portion of my shares in the company to you. Ashton? Ashton had his chance. It's time we explore other options. The survival of our investments, our legacy, depends on it. Dumbstruck, I scrambled to process the gravity of her words. This was a game changer. Thank you, Mom. I'll... I'll do my best. I believe in you, Ethan. Make us proud. With that, the call ended. The revelation hit me like a bolt of lightning. I wasn't merely an investor anymore. I was a substantial shareholder in the Sullivan Empire, with enough clout to challenge Ashton. The prospect was daunting, yet exhilarating. I could almost see the storm brewing, ready to sweep Ashton off his feet. He had no inkling of what was coming his way. It was time for a change, and I was at the helm of it. Man, have you heard the latest stock report? Brad, now my best friend and confidant, called me up one morning, his voice teetering between excitement and disbelief. Why, what happened? I asked, attempting to hide the amusement in my voice. By now, my carefully calculated moves were starting to yield results. Sullivan Empire shares! They're soaring, Ethan! It's like someone just pumped a whole lot of life into that sinking ship! That's interesting. You don't understand, Ethan! This is massive! Whoever is behind this, they've practically taken over the Empire! All the major decisions now, they're being made by this, this unknown entity. With a smirk, I leaned back in my chair, letting the silence linger between us. The pieces of the puzzle were finally falling into place. But isn't Ashton? Ashton had a shot, man, and he blew it. Spectacularly, I might add. But Ethan, that, that would mean you? Right in the bullseye, old friend. I'm now the new power player of the Sullivan Empire. You're, you're incredible, Ethan. You did it. You really did it. Still a long way to go, Brad. But the ship's course has been corrected. In Ashton, he's gonna get a taste of his own medicine. I'm with you all the way, Ethan. Ashton won't know what hit him. I ended the call, a newfound determination stirring within me. My past life as Mason, a cog in the wheel of the Sullivan Empire, now seemed like a distant memory. Claire and I, as substantial shareholders, had taken the reins, and with my strategic planning, the Sullivan Empire was finally seeing a resurgence. It felt good, not just the power and wealth, but the vindication. I'd returned as a powerful CEO. The empire almost within my grasp. The once dismissive glances in the boardroom were now replaced by looks of respect. And Ashton, his unease was palpable. His position threatened. The prodigal son was finally home. And the reckoning was only just beginning. Listen, Ashton, I understand there's been some misunderstandings lately. Is that what you call it, Ethan? I've been hearing quite a lot about you lately. Really? I'm flattered. Sarcasm doesn't suit you, Ethan. This isn't a game. This is business. You've been disrupting the chain of command. I disagree, Ashton. I think I've been... improving things. Don't you find it a little more exciting now? Exciting isn't what I'd call it. You're turning the company upside down. And for what? To prove a point? No, Ashton. I'm not here to prove a point. I'm here to make a difference. A difference you've been unable to make all these years. The line went silent for a moment, air thick with tension. Watch your tone, Ethan. This isn't some petty squabble. 
You're playing with fire. And you've been sitting on a powder keg. You've been comfortable for too long, Ashton. Maybe it's time someone stirred the pot. Is that a threat? No, Ashton. It's a promise. See, while you've been sitting on your ivory tower, I've been doing what's needed. And the funny thing is, your loyal staff, they seem to prefer my leadership. You're a snake, Ethan. But remember, you're playing in my territory. No, Ashton. I believe it's your relatives who are playing in my territory now. The ones who thought they could simply discard me? Funny how things turn out, isn't it? The silence that followed was almost deafening, but the satisfaction I felt was immeasurable. Ashton and his clan, they were mere puppets now, dancing to my tune. They had thrown me out, and now, I was their boss. The hunter had become the hunted. Ashton's power was waning, and mine was just starting to rise. Listen, Ashton, there's something else you should know. Really? More tricks up your sleeve? No tricks, Ashton. Just the truth. And trust me, the truth can be far more dangerous. Get to the point, Ethan. I know about the Ethan Project. What are you talking about? Oh, you know very well what I mean. The little experiment you thought you could keep hidden? Did you really think I wouldn't find out? Ashton was silent, and I could almost feel the wheels turning in his mind. You're lying. Am I? Would you like to take that chance, Ashton? Because I'm more than willing to play this game. Remember, Ashton, every action has consequences, and it seems like it's time for you to face yours. With that, I hung up, leaving Ashton with his thoughts. The truth was out. The game had changed, and now it was my turn to lead. The phone buzzed again, this time with Brad's caller ID flashing. I answered on the first ring. Brad, we need to talk. Well, good evening to you too, Ethan. Something tells me Ashton's conversation didn't go too well. You could say that. I told you, didn't I? Snake can't change his scales. Enough with your proverbs, Brad. We need to plan our next moves. Right. Sullivan Empire. I've been doing some digging. There's a board meeting in two weeks. That's our chance. Then that's when we'll strike. We're playing with fire here, Ethan, Brad warned. If this goes sideways, it won't. We have to be smart about this, Brad. Play our cards right. Brad sighed on the other end of the line. All right, I trust you. A hefty sigh spilled out of me as I settled into my plush office chair. Ashton's turned into a slippery eel. Brad, I can't seem to get the upper hand. That's the thing about eels. Slippery they might be, but they're still confined to their pawns. Ashton's pawn seems to be expanding by the minute. If we don't act now, we will. You know, I've been looking into the operations of the Sullivan Empire. A lot of deals, a lot of contracts, but there are a lot of weaknesses too. Weaknesses? Yeah. You see, Ashton's been playing fast and loose with the company finances. There's a particular deal with a tech firm, suspiciously overvalued. Which one? Hawkeye Tech. Ashton's been shoving funds their way for a project that's still theoretical at best. And that's our chance. We expose the deal. Ashton's credibility is shot. The board will have no choice but to reconsider their loyalties. 100%. But Ethan, this is risky. If Ashton even sniffs that we're onto him, I know. But it's a risk we have to take. Ashton's greed is his weakness. And it's about time we exploited it. The conversation extended into the night, with Brad and me brainstorming strategies and countermeasures, hypothetical situations and potential challenges. As the minutes rolled into hours, a concrete plan started to take shape. A risky plan yes, but a plan nonetheless. I'd always known that this battle would be uphill, but tonight, it seemed like I'd found my footing. For the first time since my return, I felt in control. I leaned back in my chair, 
my mind whirling with the upcoming events. One thing was clear. Ashton had messed with the wrong man. And now, it was time to show him what it meant to cross paths with me. As the city skyline basked in the glow of the moon, I couldn't help but smile. The board meeting was going to be a game changer, and Ashton wouldn't know what hit him. The night was heavy with anticipation, the impending clash echoing in the silence. But as I closed my eyes, a single thought overwhelmed the rest. Ashton Sullivan, your downfall is coming. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.